0: Amen. All right, so Shalop Parade, anybody? few people, did you go? No? Man, you, if you haven't been to the Shalop Parade, you're just missing out on what Brunswick County is all about. Now in the Shalop Parade, there's pretty much one rule, one rule and one rule only. You, you, you could do your floats however you want, you could dress up however you want, but there's one rule and that's there's no Santa Claus until the very end. Huh? You know what I'm talking about? Well, apparently Lowe's did not get this memo. Now, I love Lowe's, don't get me wrong, but they did not follow the rules this year. So Lowe's comes rolling down the street in their Lowe's truck that you could rent for $19.95 for 30 minutes. <laughs> and as they roll down the street, there's a Santa Claus sitting in the passenger seat, at which my seven-year-old shouts out at the top of her lungs, that's not the real Santa! (laughs) And to which six other of her friends begin to boo Santa. (laughs) And the Lowe's people are just kind of like, come on Lowe's, get it together, get it together. Don't let that happen again. So it's about 30 or 40 years after the resurrection of Christ, and Luke uh, wakes up one day, and there's all of these stories that are being told. Uh, Jesus um, is no longer there in the flesh, again, it's 30 or 40 years past, and there's all these stories about Jesus, and Luke begins to hear some of these stories, but the problem is some of these stories aren't lining up. Uh, This person has this story, and another person has this story, and another has this story. And so he starts his book by saying, listen, many people have set out to write an account about the events that have been fulfilled among us. And they've used eyewitness reports, and there's all this circulation amongst us, even from the early disciples. And I've carefully done this. I've carefully investigated everything from the beginning. And I have also decided to write an account For you, most honorable Theophilus, one of his friends, he's like, listen, this is a letter written specifically to this person. Listen, why? So you can be certain, you can be certain of the truth of everything that you were taught, you can spot a fake Santa when you see one. I want you to know that you know, not just that you just believe in Christ, but I want you to know why you believe in Christ, Theophilus. I want you to know that this faith and this gospel that you have been taught, that it's not just this like blind leap of faith, but like you could be certain of these things that you have been taught. You could be certain, you can know the real thing when you see it. Now here's the thing, Luke did not walk with Jesus. Luke wasn't there. He didn't see everything that Jesus was doing. And so he goes out and in this investigative journalism begins to uh, talk to eyewitnesses that were there. Now at this point, young men have become old men. And so if you were in your 20s or 30s when you were walking with Jesus, by this time, now you're in your 60s and your 70s. And so Luke is going, he's talking to these people that walked with Jesus in the flesh, and he's getting these eyewitnesses accounts, and he's hearing stories, and he's putting all of this together, and he actually walked with Paul for some time. And so he kind of is putting all this together because he wants us to be certain of the faith. This morning, um, I want to give you more teaching than preaching, if that's okay, because I want you to understand not just listen that we believe in Jesus, but why we believe, why we could be certain uh, of the things that we believe. Now, Luke writes this book. He also writes the book of Acts. So you could read Luke and Acts together. It makes up about a third of the, the New Testament. So him and Paul author a good portion of the New Testament. And, and Luke historically is one that he is thought to be a Gentile. So he could be the only Gentile writer in the New Testament to write down all of these accounts, giving you uh, his, his look at this. And he says a few words that I want to point out this morning. He's like, those things that have been fulfilled among us and that you may have a clear understanding in that which you have been instructed. Now, I'm pretty sure if anybody could agree that if there's any time in history where we could use a clear understanding of why we believe what we believe, it was then for Luke, and it's also here and now. With so many people just deciding to deconstruct their faith and just uh, walk away from the faith uh, because of different issues or whatever it is, to know why we believe what we believe. After all, my experience has been different from your experience. And your experience has been different from my experience. And so there's the experience that we read in the scriptures, and then sometimes things don't line up. And if we're not careful, it could leave us confused. And wait, hold on, at at what point do, do these things overlap? There has to be a better way. It's kind of like... Uh, Me trying to convince some of you guys that still have cable that you're doing it the wrong way. I I do everything with Emmy to say listen, you're still paying like $200 a month to have cable and you watch commercials. Why are you doing this thing? There's a better way you could stream it and never watch a commercial again. It's amazing. It's amazing. You could do this, there's a better way. Christianity, listen, it's not just this figurative, metaphorical thing. there, There is parts that, listen, this stuff is real. And I know this is 2021, and we think, oh, well, we're so advanced, right? We've advanced beyond this. We're so much smarter than those that have come before us. And so there's just a better way. Lucas, you know, we put a man on the moon. Yeah, we did that. But we still can't fix the line at the DMV. You know what I'm saying? You know, yeah, we're advanced civilization. You know, we could power cities with like nuclear power, right? But we don't have the power in us to say silver and gold have I none in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And something's wrong with that. Something's wrong with that. All of these things. I could could get on my phone right now and order something. It could get on a boat from China and be in my house in a week. It's supposed to be. You make a good point. Ruin that one for me, Sparky. We're advanced. And if we're not careful, though, we could begin to make up our own stories to fit our own agendas, to fit our own experience. And so the question that I want to pose this morning is, can we trust this book or not? Can we trust or not? Because Luke says, I'm writing this to you so that you can be certain. I'm writing this so you can be certain in the faith in which you've been taught. Can we trust it? Can we be certain of our beliefs? Because the thing is, right after Luke writes this, the next part of the book is unbelievable. I mean, the next part, there's going to be some stories that he's going to tell that, guys, this just sounds incredible. I mean, virgin birth come on. I mean, let's be honest. If your woman came home one day, full just full prego, and like, yeah, no, no, I'm a virgin. I mean, everybody talks about the faith of Abraham. I think the faith of Joseph, right? I mean, this dude trusted his woman. I mean, girl came home, it's like, no, 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 I'm a virgin. (sighs) Wow. I mean, this brother has some faith. Because if anything's for certain, virgins don't get pregnant. And, and this, this, this starts off, and then the whole story of, well, well, the God of all creation is going to be born of a woman, and he's going to grow up, and he's going to be just a little baby, and he's going to grow up, and he's going to have parents, and he's going to look all so normal. He's going to grow in wisdom and stature and favor, and then he's going to do these things. He's going to stand on this mountain and give this sermon that is going to pretty much change all of human history that switches everything that everybody's been taught and turns, you've heard it said by them before, but I say to you. And, And then there's going to be all these miracles and blind eyes are going to be opened. People are going to be resurrected from the dead. Lazarus, come forth. I mean, miracle after miracle, he's going to say a word and speak to the seas and they're going to calm down. I mean, it's unbelievable and yet, Luke says, listen, I think that you could be certain of your faith. Now, i got to be honest with you. I am just, I think, by nature skeptic. Like, there's just something in, in me that even from an early age, I'm skeptical. I'd watch, and I'd see the, the magicians do the magic show, and I'm like, nope. There's no way he did not make an elephant disappear. Physics 101, seven years old. That's not how it works. That elephant didn't disappear. Somehow he did it. There was some thing like, like there's just something in me. I'm skeptical by nature. I, I need you to prove it to me. A few months ago, I, I came home, and we had this drawer in our house, and it's the candy drawer. And, and, and the kids know you're not supposed to have any candy from the candy drawer until a certain time. And then there's the, the drawer is open, and, and I'm like, okay, kids, who ate the candy from the candy drawer, and to which they both started all of their explanations on why they didn't do it. And so which, no, if anything's for certain, kids eat candy, especially you, Reese. I know you be there's, and there's wrappers all over your floor, a little bit of chocolate there on your lip, but dad, I didn't need any candy. I need you to prove it to me. Because everything in me says that you've eaten this candy, so you're going to have to prove it. I need you to do something so I can be certain of this faith. And Luke knows this. Luke does this, and he sets out on this journey. Now, why would I even kind of be talking about this this morning? Because survey says this, that 40% 40 of Christians don't believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. And if you take those same those same statistics, and you look at the younger generations, the numbers go even higher. Even higher, that they don't believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, that they don't believe that Jesus lived a sinless life. That at the end of the day, like, they believe in Jesus, but all this other stuff that doesn't fit their narrative, we'll just kind of cut that out. We'll cut out the miracles, we'll cut out the virgin birth, the resurrection, all of these things, until we have a really good guy that, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but all of this other stuff, and so they're not rooted, they're not grounded in their faith, and so by that statistic alone, that means that there's probably people in this room that you hate to admit it, but you you believe, but you don't believe. And, and this Christmas, I want us to be able to celebrate with a faith that is rooted and grounded in Christ, of why we believe what we believe, that it, is, it isn't just Some blind faith. That there is faith. but man, I I just think that it's it's kind of unbelievable not to believe in Jesus. And I want to show you a few reasons why. So first, Luke does this. Matthew does this. And remember, they're they're writing these stories. and, And there's this portion where, let me start with Matthew. Matthew opens up his book. And he says this. Here's the record of the ancestors of Jesus descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah, and his brothers and Judah was the father of Perez. And it goes on and on, Perez and Ram and Amadad and other guys' name I can't pronounce, and Solomon and Boaz and Obed and Jesse and David and Solomon and Bathsheba and Rahab and other people's names, right? And every one of you skip these in your Bible reading plan. <laughs> because... Come on, let's just be honest. This is this long list of genealogy. And he gets to the end, and in verse 17, he says this, All those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to Babylonian exile, and then another 14 generations from Babylonian exile to the Messiah, the birth of Christ. Now, if we were to go to Luke, Luke does this in chapter 3 of his gospel. He gives this list, but unlike Matthew, he goes in reverse and he starts with Jesus' birth and works the genealogy backwards. And so Jesus was known as the son of Joseph. Joseph, Heli, Mattai, Levi, Malachi, and on, and on, and on. And then he gets all the way up to Abraham, but he doesn't stop with Abraham. He goes all the way from Abraham all the way back to Adam, and Adam was the son of God. He gives you this genealogy all the way back to the beginning of mankind. Do you realize how incredible this is? How many people in the room here can tell me your great, great, great grandfather? And yet this brother, this brother says, no, 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 not only will I tell you your great, 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 I'm gonna bring it back like I don't know how many, 70 something generations, all the way back. To when God created Adam. Now, this is interesting because this is historical fact. This isn't just a list of names that the author has pulled out of the sky. This is a list of names that, remember, again, eyewitnesses, oh, yeah, talk to this guy, and this was this guy's father, and this was his grandfather. And these were some of the people, and if there was the tribe of Levi, and if you were the tribe of Levi, there was all these genealogies because you had to be part of this certain tribe to be part of the tribe of Levi to serve in the house of the Lord. So all of this stuff is well documented through thousands of years of history. And here's what's even more amazing about it, is like, we still use this today. So this genealogy is even undisputed amongst most scholars, even that don't believe in Christ. Like, did you know that the queen uh, of England, Queen Elizabeth II, can trace her genealogy back to this genealogy? And it's often not talked about, and they don't want to talk about it. And the reason why they don't want to talk about it, because if they do that, that means they have to give credit to the scriptures. Now, think about the importance of that. Because here you have the writer giving us names and places and times and events inside of history. So in other words, here are historical events. This was the Babylonian exile. This is what happened when Abraham set out. This is how a nation was born. And these were 12 tribes, and this became Israel. And this is how a nation, and so there's these events, there's these times, there's these places that is all throughout history. So the, so the writers are setting a stage of understanding, listen, all of the stuff that comes after this is grounded in a fact, Look, look through all of the records, look through all of the things that have happened throughout history, look through the, there's thousands of documents that are proving this lineage. And what's amazing is that the writers don't just give people's names, but they actually write events, too, that correspond to the times of these people when they were alive. Because you can look at the book of Isaiah, you can look at Ezekiel, you can look at Jeremiah, and you can see these names lining up with these genealogies, uh, also line up with the events that took place within history. All right? And then he says this, listen, 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to exile. And so you have this, whoa, whoa exile. Like, n- not a name, but an event that took place in their history. In other words, there's something that was so important now let's, like, let's, let's like set a stone in this moment because there's what happened before it and what happened after it. And all of us have these moments in our life. Every one of us have this timeline that we're walking through and there's certain events in your life that mark before and after. The day you get married, you were before you were married and then there was life after you got married. There was life before you had kids and there was life after you had kids and now you broke. (laughs) There's before and there's after. There's all of these events. There's 16 years old. There's the day you get your license. Come on, and I am out of here, Mom. Peace out. And then there's 65 years old when I get my discounted Denny's, and life is good. (laughs) There's before and there's after, And, and all of this is lining up. And all of this is evidence that he's showing that, listen, you can be certain of this, you can be certain of your faith. And then he says this, and all of these happened, that the fulfillment of this. Actually, let me let me read the exact words. He says, "Listen, um, all of these events that have been fulfilled among us." So, in other words, I'm going to point out some things next in my writings that we're going to look back as some of the other authors in the Old Testament, some of the prophets that have gone before us, not even that, but some of our uh, documents of the day, and we're gonna show you the fulfillment of those things that are happening now in our lifetimes through the life of Jesus. Let me give you just a few of them. There's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled. So all of these things have to happen in the word of God, in order for Jesus to be who he says he is. Jesus is to be born in Bethlehem. So in other words, if you ain't from Bethlehem, you ain't the Messiah. Anybody in here born in Bethlehem? None of y'all are Jesus, all right? The Messiah is to be preceded by a messenger. The, The Messiah is to enter Jerusalem on a donkey. The Messiah is to be betrayed by a friend. Remember, these are all prophecies written literally hundreds and thousands of years before the birth of Christ. The Messiah is to be sold for 30 pieces of silver. Like, do you catch how important that is? Like, the number isn't random. 30 pieces of silver. The Messiah is to be born of a virgin. The the Messiah is to be hated without cause. The Messiah is to be silent before his accusers. The Messiah is to be executed by crucifixion by having his hands and his feet pierced. The Messiah is to be executed without having a bone broken. Again, this would be, not only would it make it hard, but it would make it almost impossible because the method of execution was after you'd hung on that cross for so long, they would go and they would break your legs so that you could no longer hold yourself up. And yet this prophecy is saying, listen, he's going to to be crucified, but not a bone in his body will be broken. Look at this. The Messiah is to be buried with the rich when he is dead. The Messiah will be raised from the dead. The Messiah will be executed by crucifixion as a thief. Just a few of the things that have been fulfilled through the life of Christ. Each one of them connected to a historical context inside of these books of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Malachi. Some years ago, there was a mathematician, and his name was Peter Stoner. He kind of became famous because uh, a book was written, evidence that demands uh, a verdict, and you, you may have recognized this quote from the book. He did a probability study. And the probability study went something like this. He said, any one man fulfilling just 48 of the over 300 prophecies, the odds of them being that man would look like this. And I have a slide. It would be 1 in 10 to the 157th power. That's 1 with 157 zeros after it. Of just one man fulfilling just 48 of these over 300 prophecies in which Jesus fulfilled all of them. These are the odds that he wouldn't be the Messiah. Let me put that into perspective. Some years ago when they were doing the lottery, this was your odds of winning the lottery. 176 million, one 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 hundred and seventy-six millionth of a chance that when you bought that lottery ticket that you would win. So you're telling me there's a chance. Let me put that into perspective. With Jesus, that would mean that you would have to win the lottery over 300 times in your lifetime. The odds that one person would come and fulfill, fulfill, key word, all of these things which have been written. And yet this is the life of Christ. And this is why Luke is right, and listen, this is why you can be certain of this faith. You could be certain. Now, does it take faith? Absolutely. 100%. It takes faith to believe. But what Luke is presenting, what I'm presenting, is I think it takes way more faith not to believe. It takes a whole lot more faith not to believe. A few different ideas with this. I mean, you, you look at the evidence, and, and let's take even, even faith. For a minute, just let's step back for it and let's say that that you're in the room and you're not a believer. I can't remember who was it that said this quote, but they said it like this. Show me a better man and I'll serve him. Show me a better man. So let's take out just the divinity of God and let's look at the humanity of God. When in all of human history has there been a better man? You can't find one. Even when you look through other religions, even when you look at the Buddha, when you look at the Dalai Lama, when you look at uh, Muhammad, when you look at all of these, every one of them is very clear that like, these men fall short. Uh, even Muhammad, he's, listen, I, I'm not Allah. I'm simply a prophet for him. You, you look at the Dalai Lama, he's very like, no, 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 I am not God. I'm just this incarnation of it. I'm looking at all this, but I am simply a man. All of this, show me a better man. Look through human history. Look at the life of Christ. Because here's the thing. Inside of each one of us, we have four basic questions that we want to know, that we want to ask ourselves. Questions of origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. Questions that that within each one of us, we want answered. Origin, where did I come from? And, And so for the world, they answer the question like this, that, well, there was just this big bang, And out of nothing kind of came this single cell organism that eventually, over billions of years, morphed into something else. And so, the interesting thing about this explanation is is, it's actually closer to the biblical explanation than they realize. Because there was a big bang. God spoke. And when God spoke, there was a bang light, be, sun, be, stars, be. And when He spoke, things happened. In the beginning was God. So this is how we question, we answer the origins. Meaning. I mean, each, each one of us, there's something written on our house. So we're just looking for the meaning of life. Looking for, 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 for why is it. And, and, and the scriptures are very clear that, listen, you were made, and you were made for purpose, and you were made to glorify God. You were made in his image, in his likeness, that we would glorify him forever and ever and enjoy him forever and ever And to which the world says, well, there just is no meaning. There is this life and then you die and that's it. So just just eat and drink and be merry and just the joys of this life because that is all that there is. There is no meaning. Even if you look in the scriptures, the scriptures, look, Solomon has this moment in Ecclesiastes where he's going through all of the ways of the world to answer this meaning question. It's just vanity, vanity. It's all just vapor. Until he finally comes back to God. And that we would glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Origin, meaning, morality—the very fact that we're born with this moral compass on our hearts, to know that there is a difference between right or wrong—so the very fact that there is a morality that we have amongst us as human beings shows us that there is a moral law giver. Because otherwise, what are we going to get our morals from? Who else? can, in all of human history, give us a moral law, a moral code, in which is not in some way flawed by their own experience or their own interpretation of what right or wrong is. And so we have our morality that's given through us through the life of Christ. He came and he did, and he showed us a picture of what it is. And he said, look, you heard it said by them of all, but listen, I'm saying to you, listen, it's not enough just not to kill anybody, 'Cause there's this moral law that's even been put on you, but, but I say don't even think about it, don't even get it in your heart. Don't even let your heart go this way. And so he shows us this morality and then then there's destiny. Where does it all lead? At the end of this life, where does it all leave? And with the world, everyone has different interpretations. And some just say it's just this kind of cosmic spin. And you go around again and again, and you get another shot at life, and another shot at life. And then there's, and then there's reincarnation. And if you didn't live, live life good enough, you'd come back as a bug. And if you live life better, you'd come back as somebody that has a lot of money and power. Which is like, for me, that's just kind of insane because if you don't remember any of it, what does it matter? bug or most powerful person in the world. And you'll just keep living this eternal spin over and over. And, and, and the scriptures are very clear. No, no, no. Like, Jesus will return. There is a destiny that we have in him. There'll be a new heaven and there will be a new earth. All of this is leading somewhere for, per, for a purpose. And whether you realize it or not, Every single person, whether you believe or not, you have these questions in your heart, origin, meaning, morality, destiny, and every single person is going to look to answer these questions in their own form, in their own fashion. And, and, and Luke does this in the scripture, he says, listen, Jesus has, has answered all of these questions in a manner, in a way that's not just confined to this blind faith, but it's inside of history, inside of time, inside of places, inside of events, and you can be certain. You can be certain of your faith. You can be certain of all of these prophecies. You can be certain of the life of Christ, and you can be certain of something else. You can be certain that he who began a good work in you will see it through to the day of Christ Jesus. I want you to think about that statement for a minute. And the power of that statement. In other words, this life that we now live, we could be just as certain as what Luke has said, as Jesus has fulfilled all of these things, that Jesus is gonna fulfill everything in your life that he has called you to do. We could be certain of this. We could be certain as we are of his death and his resurrection, of his return. Certain of all of this, that he who begun a good work will see it through. He isn't done. There's this certainty that we have. We can serve a God who no longer fits into our narrative, but the reality is we fit into his story. I want you to be confident that he is faithful even when I'm not. I want you to be confident that just like David, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I could be confident, just like Abraham, like there's a promise out there, and I'm going to step into it, and he's going to show it to me as I go. I could be confident in generation upon generation upon generation of God's faithfulness. I could be confident that whether it's a brand new kingdom, or I could be confident that even if we're moving into exile, I could rest knowing that God has already made a way home. I could rest knowing that God has already made a way home. Salvation was in the works long before you even messed up. Long before you committed that sin, Sparky. Long before you messed up, Garrett. Long before you fell short, Chris. Salvation was already being worked out for your behalf. The scriptures say he's the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. Before Adam even bit from that apple, God had already made a way for salvation for us. Whatever you're going through today, I'm telling you, God has already made a way. That we serve a God who generation after generation, event after event, is always faithful. And it's not based upon your faithfulness, it's based upon his faithfulness. It's based upon who he is. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning, because I want you to be certain of this faith. See, when we come and we gather in this room, it isn't just this time where, oh, that was a really good word, or, or the, the band sounded really good today. No, no, no. We come because we are certain, and we are confident. Like We serve a God who is working in us and among us in all things for the good of those who believe. And I want to switch those statistics around. So if you came in today and you were one of those that you thought, yeah, Jesus is a great guy, but like virgin birth, uh, resurrection, I don't know. That's a stretch. You can be certain of your faith. Look at all that he has fulfilled and all that he is continuing to fulfill. Look at your own life. Look at the evidence of Jesus in your own life. It's a miracle that you're here today. It's a miracle that you ain't locked up doing 10 to 15. It's a miracle that you ain't laying dead in a ditch right now. It's a miracle that you ain't strung out with a needle in your arm right now. It's a miracle. It's the grace of God that you could stand here with breath in your lungs right now. Because he is worthy. He's worthy of all our praise. He came, and he dwelt among us and him who knew no sin became sin that there might be a way that we could enter in to have this communion with our Father because we're made for purpose. Our origin is in him. Our meaning is in him. Our morality is in him and our destiny is in him. And so, Lord, this Christmas season, we pause. We look around like Luke looked around, and we, we survey, and we see that there's so many other stories out there being told. There's so many alternatives to our faith. Lord God, but today we can stand certain. That God, you are the fulfillment of all things. We believe, help our unbelief. We believe, Jesus, help our unbelief. Help our unbelief. Lord, the parts of us that doubt you, may we bring our doubts and our worries and cast them to your feet. If you're in the house this morning, and you don't know him. If you came and there just, there hasn't been certainty in your life. Today Jesus is calling you home. He's calling you home. I just wanna pray a simple prayer with you to invite Jesus into your life where he's ruling and reigning and it's no longer about you and your story it's a surrendered story to him. If that's you and you're in the house, I'm just gonna ask you to put your hand real high in the air so we could pray with you.